everyone. Welcome to The Science of Beauty, a podcast from Allure. I'm Michelle Lee, the Editor-in-Chief. And I'm Jenny Bailly, Executive Beauty Director. And on this podcast, we're going to be diving into the science behind beauty and the products that we are always talking about and testing here at Allure. This week, we did a little home experiment for you. It was slightly traumatic, but we are dedicated journalists, so you're welcome. Is that a face peel or something? Jenny, what the hell is going on? Tell me. <laughs> is it a face peel? Okay. Okay, trying Hannah Cure this morning before I start some meetings at work. I'm going to open up the package. That's right. We did the Hannah Cure facial. It's called an all-in-one facial, and the box says... I'm going to get four Octolift solutions and four Octolift ampules. So you open it up so the ampules are little glass vials and the solutions are in these little pods. And then I also have a brush. And I do not know what Octolift means, but we will find out. I've been wanting to try this mask for a while because I've seen it on social media. I think I saw Drew Barrymore doing it. If you guys don't know, this mask is the one that you put it on and it dries and it makes your skin look really, really wrinkled like a raisin. The mask has a laundry list of supposed benefits like unclogging pores, lifting, and firming. I opened the cap and I'm pouring the little ampule and combining them now. And then reseal it and shake vigorously for 20 seconds. Gel will form. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Using the brush, apply gel evenly to face. Then you have to pretend you're a mannequin. No laughing or smiling or blinking. All right, and the last instruction says minimize facial movements to maximize effects. There's a, a picture of a woman holding a fan and fanning her face. So 20 minutes, here goes. I'm trying not to move my face for 20 minutes and I gotta figure out something to fan my face with. Maybe I'll use these instructions. Okay, here you go, fanning my face. Ooh, feels cold. And the shrinkage begins. I can feel it kind of starting to tighten a little bit. Okay. It's almost 20 minutes, and this thing is very tight. I'm very excited to rinse it off. It looks like you are very, very creepy. Any other thoughts to share? You talk weird. No, I can't really move my face. Do you think this is going to make my skin really luminous? Mm, kind of, but for now, you look terrifying. My seven-year-old is right. I looked terrifying. Okay, I just rinsed off my face, and it was such a relief. It started feeling really itchy, so then when I started putting the water on, I definitely had to rinse for quite a while to get it off. So right after I rinsed off the mask, I was definitely glowy, I think it part of it was just the glow of being happy that the mask was off my face, but my skin was very smooth. I didn't put on makeup right afterward, but I had the impression that it definitely would be a nice mask to do right before you did put on makeup because everything would, would go on very nicely. I didn't have the, the instructions had said to be prepared for some redness. I didn't experience any. So overall, 
The results were positive, although it was a lot to go through to get there. Afterwards, my skin felt really soft. And then once I put on all my other skincare, it felt like it was just kind of like soaking everything in. So my skin looks really good. It feels really hydrated and nice. Um, But yeah, that was an experience. Why did we do this? Because today we are talking about those home facial experiences we call masks. Why use them? Do they actually work? What kind should you use for your skin type? After the break, we'll be joined by Dr. David Kim, who's going to answer all of these questions and more. Stay with us. Welcome back. Our guest today, well, you could say he's a lifelong expert on sheet masks. Yes. Hi, my name is David Kim, and I'm a board-certified dermatologist based in San Francisco. And David, we've heard you're a lifelong sheet mask enthusiast. Is that right? Yeah. My mom used to use them, and my aunt used to come over once in a while, and we would use them all together. And I just loved how my skin felt afterwards. It was always so smooth. And this was like when I was like 12 or 13, and maybe even younger. Okay, you do have amazing skin. No, it's all the lighting and the sunscreen that I use every day. (laughs) So today we're talking about face masks. And so I just want to make it very clear to everyone up front that we're talking skincare face masks, not the ones we've all been wearing because of the pandemic. So skincare face masks really used to be something kind of relegated to spa days and maybe slumber parties. But now, obviously, they are totally a part of our skincare routines. When would you say that they really became more mainstream here in skincare, something that would be considered a pretty basic part of our skincare routines? So I would say as a Korean American, I think my experience is slightly different. I grew up with them. I've been exposed to them all my life. But so that was kind of a normal, you know, for a 12, 13 year old boy to be masking with his family was like kind of a normal Korean family thing to do? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't know if you watch Korean dramas, but in a lot of K-dramas, you can see a lot of like family members doing face masks together on the weekends watching TV. You know, I think it's just part of our culture to do something like that as a family. And we used to use them on family vacations or on weekends. But in the United States and in Europe, I think they became much more popular in the mid 2010s. I think with an influx of K-beauty and explosion of social media. Would a typical Korean person use a mask every day, every other day? I think previously and more traditionally, people used to use them once in a while, you know, once a week or every other week. But several years ago, a couple of years ago, I think few celebrities in Korea shared that their beauty secret is to use one sheet mask every day. So they called it one day, one pack. So one day, one sheet mask, and then it became a phenomenon and now it's become a gold standard. But if you have oily skin and like sensitive skin like me, I've been on Accutane twice, you can definitely overdo it and I wouldn't do it every day. I stand by the you can overdo it with sheet masks because my first year at Allure, I tested sheet masks for Best of Beauty and I overdid it. (laughs) I definitely (laughs) overdid it. Did you do it every day? I did it multiple times a day, which is definitely overdoing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) What is your personal typical mask regimen as a grown-up, assuming you don't live with your family anymore? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do it quite sparingly. I do it once a week. And my go-to is the Laneige, the sleeping mask. I read somewhere that that 
product gets sold every 12 seconds. And I think it's really interesting. It's really gentle. It's hydrating. I always keep it in the fridge because I like it nice and cool. And I would do it once a week, every Sunday evening. So let's get into the science of how masks work. Because for other skincare products, we're leaving those on sometimes all day. Why does something like a mask work when it stays on for maybe 20 minutes, whether it's a sheet mask or a wash-off one? Like, what is the science behind that? I think that's a really good question. Masks in general have a much higher concentration of the actives. So they're designed to deliver really high-functioning actives within the 20 to 30-minute time frame that you have. And initially, I think it was designed for people to do facials at home, for people who couldn't afford to go to spas on a regular basis. And I think it kind of made the skincare routine much more customizable and personable and more accessible. But the science behind it is really the concentration of the actives. Sheet masks were such a novelty when they started arriving in the U.S. a few years ago. And I've always seen them as being more geared toward moisturizing and hydrating. But is that accurate? Obviously, I know there are tons and tons of options to choose from. So can you give us a breakdown of the different options? There are three different main types. There are the cotton ones, there are the hydrogel, and then there is a biocellulose one. So the cotton is the microfiber ones that we see everywhere. It's very user-friendly, but the downfall of that is that it dries relatively quickly and doesn't fit on everyone's face as well. Hydrogel is a little more advanced. It's like the transparent, thicker face masks that we see in the market. But the main difference in that is that when they actually manufacture the hydrogel, they infuse the gel with the skincare ingredients. So it's not like a gel drenched in skincare ingredients. It's actually infused. So it has higher delivery that way. And what about biocellulose? The best one by far and hands down is the biocellulose. It's a natural material produced by culture bacteria. It was initially designed to treat severe burns and chronic wounds. And so it's great for sensitive skin. And it has much higher capacity to absorb moisture and active ingredients. So it delivers much higher concentration of actives. And also it's super environmentally friendly. It's compostable, so it's not harmful for the environment. And it adheres to the skin a lot better. So people can do other things. You can cook, you can read, or you can do other things and move around without the face mask moving. So it's the best one that you can find. And is it true that you should keep a sheet mask on for only the amount of time recommended on the package? Because we did hear that if you let it dry out too much, that it actually is doing your skin a disservice and it could dry it out more. Is that true? Yeah, I've heard that. I think, honestly, there's no study done to prove that, but I think it's a general principle of osmosis. Water is, and moisture is going to travel wherever it's dry and salty. So if you leave it on and you fall asleep or you take a nap and you wake up, and the sheet mask is all dry, I think it's perfectly fine. I think in the long run, if you do that repeatedly, it could hurt your skin, but it's not like you're going to wake up looking shriveled like a raisin. So I think it's perfectly fine to do that once a while. So now I have a terminology question because I've seen the juicy stuff in a sheet mask called either serum or essence. Do you have a thought on which it is? Or is it different for different sheet masks? Like the juicy stuff in there, is it essence or is it serum? <laughs> I think they are different. I think some are drenched in essence and some are drenched in serum. So essence, I think typically are extractions from like fungus. I think a perfect example is like the SK2, the, is it Patera? 
where they use the Galactomyces form infiltrate, which is a byproduct of the sake, fermented sake. So that's usually very light, very hydrating. I recommend it a lot for patients with really oily skin. But for serum, it's much more densely packed with other ingredients. And they have different ingredients for different purposes, whether it's hydrating or brightening. And so I think they do serve a different purpose. Got it. So people might want to look for one or the other. That's interesting. Yeah, for sure. Depending on your skin type. So while we're doing vocabulary, we have been spending a lot of time talking about sheet masks, but there are, of course, so many other mask formats. One of them you'd mentioned earlier, David, when you said you love the Laneige sleeping mask. Sleeping masks are, as everyone might guess, masks that are designed to be worn overnight while you are sleeping and not rinsed off. But just tell it to us straight, is a sleeping mask really just a nice, rich cream? I think sleeping mask is slightly different. Just like you were saying, I think it's a richer, higher concentration version of a night cream because it's only meant to be used intermittently, you know, once or twice a week. It's not meant to be used every night. And it's supposed to repair and replenish all the nutrients and the hydration that your skin needs, which is not every night. And the sleeping masks, so they would usually have... We've been talking a lot about hydration in these last few episodes, but so they would have a lot of occlusives in them? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so really locking in moisture. Yeah, and higher concentration of hyaluronic acid. There's another ingredient called polyglutamic acid, which is shown to be five times more hydrating than hyaluronic acid. So they would have ingredients like that. You know what? I thought about that when it came to lip masks too, because I've been seeing obviously like a lot of lip masks. And I was sort of like, isn't it just lip balm? (laughs) But maybe it's a similar thing where it's like there's just a higher concentration of actives in it. I think so. And they're usually thicker in texture if you use them. And they adhere to your lips longer. And it takes a lot longer for them to dry. And so I think it repairs your skin and your lips a lot more that way. So I do use the Laneige Lip Sleeping Mask every single night. And I can attest that nothing bad will happen to you. Oh, really? (laughs) You You will have very soft lips. I've been using the Tatcha, the lip mask, and it's been pretty good. It's very sticky. It stays on your lips. It's pretty hydrating. And my lips definitely do feel more hydrated the next day. Is there a difference between clay masks and mud masks? Yeah, that's a great question. They're very similar. Clay masks are usually, clay in general is a drying agent. So it's really good for oily skin and removing excess sebum. Mud is similar in that it's a combination of water, clay, and other minerals, but it has other healing properties. So it's gentler and it's better for people with drier skin. Are these like once a week masks in your recommendation? Yeah, I would only use them once a week. And I know they're so ubiquitous now. You can find them everywhere, right? Every brand seems to have some sort of a charcoal or clay or mud mask. I think once a week is fine. Sometimes you can use them as a spot treatment too. If you have an acne pimple, you can just put it on top and hopefully by next morning, it will be a lot less red and less inflamed. So charcoal you'd put in this category too? It's slightly different, but I guess I grouped them together because they can all be beneficial for oily skin. Okay. Yeah, oily acne prone skin. And charcoal, does that help with oil buildup? Yeah, it is essentially, it removes all the excess oil on the surface of the skin. But interesting thing about charcoal mask is that a lot of times you will find them in combination with other acids like AHA and BHA. So it has even more added benefit. And charcoal also has an anti-inflammatory effect. So I think it's a good 
idea to have charcoal and mud and clay mask in your bathroom so you can kind of rotate them through. So clay mask if you're oily, mud mask if you're drier, and maybe mixing charcoal and mud. Yeah, exactly. We were talking about these the other day. I have not used a peel-off mask in a very long time, but I do remember in my youth coming across them more, or maybe I was just more adventurous. But are peel-off masks something that you recommend? Yeah, I actually do. I love a good peel-off mask. I think these are the masks that I used the most growing up. It's the ones that you apply, you let it dry, and you peel off, and your skin feels really, really smooth. And the idea is that you're getting the dead layer of the skin called stratum corneum. Interesting thing about the peel-off mask is that a lot of them don't really have actives because they're not designed to penetrate through your skin to your pores. So it's just to basically get rid of the dead layer of the skin gently, making your skin feel a lot smoother. But it could be sensitizing for patients with really sensitive skin. So it's not recommended for them. But for people with oily skin or regular skin type, they can definitely tolerate it once or you know every other week. So using it more as an exfoliant. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. It's funny because I did get into peel off masks for a while and I was sharing them on Instagram and I would every so often get a comment from someone being like, please don't do peel off masks. They're so bad for you. So I'm glad to hear your opinion. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm sure every brand is different. I don't have a favorite brand, but the ones that are really gentle are perfectly fine. And so it really is, it's almost like putting a gentle like tape on your skin. Exactly. Right. And just physically peeling off. Yeah. And like, it's like a physical exfoliator. A very gentle one. You know, I feel like, you know, the Biore pore strips, I feel like that was the Americans' like first introduction. It's kind of a, a version of a sheet mask in a way, like a crusty, painful sheet mask. Yeah. <laughs> but that kind of physical exfoliation. Yeah. Peeling something off. Yeah. A lot of people still do it, right? They use no strips. I know a lot of people and a lot of patients and friends and colleagues who still use them. It is kind of gratifying. I do one maybe a couple times a year. Yeah. But we did, remember Michelle and I, we did a pores episode, Dr. Kim, early on in the podcast, and we talked to Dr. Pimple Popper. Anyway, of course, we had to talk about pore strips. <laughs> and the consensus kind of was like a lot of the gunk you're seeing, it's just dead skin and like the hairs on the outside of your nose. It's not, you're not going deep into your pores, but. Yeah. It's not harmful, but it's very satisfying. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's fun. So we talked about clay and mud masks, which are meant to be washed off. But what about creamy wash-off masks? Are there certain ingredients or anything that people should think about when they're looking for a cream wash-off mask? Yeah, I think there's so many good creams and masks these days. I think it depends on what you're hoping to achieve. For hydration, I think hyaluronic acid and something like the fermented filtrate are really, really good. Something like rice extracts are also really, really great. If you're looking for exfoliating, you know, ingredients, I think AHA and BHA are really, really great. And there are other products now with really gentle AHAs called mandalic acid. So that's a great ingredient to look for, but it all depends on what you're hoping to achieve. Can I ask about bubble masks? Yeah. Probably three years ago, I feel like we started seeing more. And they're a great photo op. You know, they foam up on your face, like you get this really bubbly effect. And I feel like the line was that these are, you know, these are oxygenating your skin. They're good for your skin because you're oxygen. Are they oxygenating your skin? Like, what are they doing? 
I know. I'm very skeptical that a topical mask can actually achieve that. I think the idea was by increasing oxygen to the surface of your skin, you can increase blood circulation and bring all the good nutrients to the surface of the skin, giving you the glow and healthy skin. But there's really little research done. I think it's more entertaining to watch. And also a lot of these bubbling masks have pressurized oxygen with foaming ingredients. So they're not all oxygen. And so... Yes, they're fun and they're entertaining, but I don't know if they really truly have a function. So maybe better than putting like shaving cream on your face, but not, <laughs> but not that much. They not are entertaining. Much. They, they are entertaining. entertaining. Yeah. Can you define multi-masking? That's something we've obviously heard about, you know, the past couple of years. What is the benefit of that and what is it? A perfect example is someone who has oily skin and who's having a little bit of acne flare, for example. That person can use a mask, like an exfoliating mask in their chin and their jawline with AHA, BHA to kind of exfoliate that skin. And maybe like a charcoal mask on your forehead, in your T-zone to kind of get rid of that excess oil. And if your cheeks are fine, you can put hydrating masks or other masks with anti-inflammatory effects to kind of overall take care of your skin. I think it's incredibly logical, but maybe a little bit labor intensive. It's not something that I think I will be doing regularly, but I think it's really interesting. So in preparation for this episode, Jenny and I both did the Hannah Cure mask. What did you guys think? It was an experience. Yeah. <laughs> How did you look before and after? Well, like Michelle was saying, you look so terrible when it's happening that you maybe lose all perspective on what you actually look like. So by the time you rinse it off, you're like, I'm a goddess. This is amazing. Like it was, I looked really crazy. Crazy. Yeah. First of all, are you, I guess, familiar with the science behind it? And how does it work? Why does it do this? Like, what is the deal with this mask? Yeah, I personally have never used it, but I did a little bit of research and I looked into the ingredients and they use a lot of plant-based extracts. You know, they use lotus leaf, like ginkgo biloba, honeysuckle, peach, peonies. And these are all plant-based extracts that have anti-inflammatory and soothing effects. So I think it's great for people with, you know, rosacea or red skin if they're used at a higher concentration, you know, that's effective enough. And they also have other combination of peptides. They have copper tripeptides and another peptide called argyrolin, which reduces appearance of wrinkles. And I think it's a combination of all those things that make your skin look hydrated and perhaps less red. But honestly, I don't know if it's going to give you that lift to make you look like, I don't know, like Jane Fonda. I don't think it's going to really do that. But I also think it's super fun and there's no reason not to use it. Do you know what makes it get so, so tight? Tight. Like it's a cool gel going on, right? Michelle, did you have the same experience? Like it felt kind of good and then over maybe 10 minutes. I have no idea. Okay, a quick sidebar. To get an answer to this cosmetic quandary, we reached out to a cosmetic chemist. Ginger King said the tightening is created when an unneutralized polymer called carbomer reacts with an amino acid called lysine, which has a high pH and forms a film on the face. When you rinse off the tight film, your skin feels smoother and looks a little brighter. Ginger compared it to taking off a Band-Aid after it's been on your finger for a while. When you take it off, that part of the skin looks really smooth because of the occlusive effect. 
And for what it's worth, she also notes the formula has a lot of peptides and extracts that have been shown to help skin look glowier too. Are there other types of masks that we don't even know about here yet that you've seen in Korea that are kind of the next level? I feel like the U.S. has done a really good job of bringing a wide variety of different masks. Biocellulose, I think, is going to become much more ubiquitous. And leave-on masks, I think people are going to want more because they want to be able to just leave it on and do other things. But otherwise, there isn't, I haven't come across any like new ingredients that's groundbreaking. So maybe the full body, <laughs> full body mask, full body biocellulose mask that you put on like a sweatsuit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like a, ju- a mask jumpsuit. Yeah. <laughs> My Why kids not, are putting right? on their snowsuits today. I'm like, that could be a good mask. Yeah. Just like wriggle <laughs> into your overalls. What about LED masks? Mm-hmm. We're seeing a few more. Like I saw one recently and it even has like ear holes. You can kind of hook it on your ears. So when you have this LED mask on, you can just kind of go about your business. What do you think? Do you think they're helpful? Are they worth it? They're, a lot of them are pretty expensive. Yeah, they're very expensive. I think LED lights or home devices are becoming incredibly popular because people want to do more things at home, which I support. LED lights are great. They usually use red lights or blue lights, and they have anti-inflammatory and anti-acne effects, and they're usually really effective. What is really important is looking at the wattage of the devices and making sure they're within the range that is effective. But I know other brands and I think came out with LED light device as well for acne. And I think they're only going to become more and more prevalent. Well, there was some concern a year or two ago about eye safety related to some of those things too. So maybe just having people be mindful of that too. That Yeah, I think so. But I, I'm sure they will come up with a way to combine all these skincare products and masks you know, in combination with the devices to make them more effective. Right, because that's the thing with the devices. Like some of them for, you know, what we hear, so many skincare devices, at-home skincare devices are quite effective, but you have to use them. I know, you have to use them every night. The more you could just strap one onto your face, I feel like the more likely that you're going to use it. You know, some of the rollers and the things that you have to like be more active about, I think people kind of use them for a week and then... Yeah, we need like the Roomba version of those things. (laughs) I love my Roomba. (laughs) So do I. Can't live without it. Yeah, I need some skincare Roomba in my life. I feel like I have a much more involved routine. Wait, we're giving away our ideas here. Oh yeah, sorry. sorry. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with a few listener questions for Dr. Kim. Stay with us. All right, Dr. Kim, we have some listener questions for you. Okay. All right, this one is from Noni. Sort of related to masks, do anti-wrinkle silicone patches actually work? Silicone patches work. They're actually much better for scars and wound healing than for anti-aging. I think a lot of research is still needs to be done, but I would say as of now in scientific journals and articles, it's more proven to be effective for scar remodeling and reducing the thickness of the scars more than anti-aging. And why is that? Is it because the silicone keeps the skin moist? No, I think it actually has properties to inhibit something called fibroblasts from making more or making excessive amounts of collagen. So it helps kind of remodel your scar. Okay, I'll ask the next one is from Dana. It seems like there is a sheet mask for every body part now. 
is there actually a point to applying a sheet mask on your butt, your chest, or your hands? <laughs> if you're using the sheet masks with the right ingredients, they will be beneficial. Our hands, for example, we're washing our hands a lot now because of the pandemic. And our skin on our hands are actually very, very thick. And they need constant moisturization and thicker emollients. So using sheet masks, you know, to your hands could be really beneficial. And for your butt, it depends, you know, if you're depending on what you're trying to treat. I know there are a lot of products now with salicylic acid 2% to help with butt acne, which personally I've seen a lot in my clinic in the past few months. Chest acne, back acne, and butt acne and jock itch have been like some of the most common skin conditions that I've seen in the past three months. And I think it's because people are spending a lot of time at home sitting down. And it's really interesting. Wow. Yeah, it's There's really interesting. There's a story in this, Jenny. Yeah. Wait, so, <laughs> so just from sitting down all the time, we're increasing our incidence of butt acne. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And jock itch. I've seen a lot of guys with fungal infections in their groin and they require prescription strength creams because they're sitting down in front of a computer. People are not going out. But it seems like what we're doing right now, it's the opposite of being a jock. Maybe I don't understand what jock itch is. Like, are we sweating just from like sitting on our butts? Exactly. You're sweating, you're occluding those areas, you're crossing your legs and you're not getting up to get coffee. So it's sort of like mask knee. Exactly. You guys, I just uncrossed my legs. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like shifting my butt position. (laughs) Okay. So a butt mask with salicylic acid then could be helpful. Could be very, very helpful. Yeah. But what do you do? And you're wearing a butt mask. You can't really go about your business, right? You just have to lie there on your stomach? I guess it depends. You know, I personally haven't come across a a mask, (laughs) a butt mask with 2% salicylic acid. Maybe this is a business idea that we should all get in on. But there are other products, you know, salicylic acid 2% sprays. Or what I actually really like is there is a body wash with benzoyl peroxide. It comes in 4% or 10%. And you can use that as a body wash in the shower and that will help you a lot. I think we need a whole butt acne episode. (laughs) (laughs) For both men and women. And it's funny because I've seen a lot more men with butt acne than than women. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like we're still getting up and doing stuff and they're just sitting on their (laughs) (laughs) that's my personal (laughs) I don't think my husband listens to the podcast so I can just say whatever I want oh my god (laughs) okay Michelle our last listener question this one's from Sophie what's the difference between an exfoliating mask and an at-home peel and when should you use one versus the other so that's a very good question at-home peels are meant to be used only once a week They are usually the ones with infused with glycolic acid and less commonly lactic acid. And again, those are for brightening to help with hyperpigmentation and acne spots, and they work really well. Exfoliating masks, depending on the concentration of the ingredients, you can use them once a week or every day. I know that Paul's Choice has 2% BHA exfoliating. That's really good. That can be used every day. SkinCeuticals also has the temp glycolic acid 10% overnight exfoliating mask, which has 10% glycolic acid, but has other ingredients like jojoba oil and sunflower seed oil to make it more tolerable and less irritating. So that can be used, you know, every night if you wanted to. But there are also different types. Like, you know, the famous one is the Drunk Elephant TLC facial that has really high concentration of AHA. 
and that's meant to be used once a week, you know, for 20 minutes. So depending on what you're trying to achieve, you can customize your masks and you can also combine them with home peels as well. So it wouldn't be too much if you did exfoliating mask one day and then a peel another day. Another day, yes. As long as you're not doing it every day and you're not using, you know, the same ingredients like salicylic acid, you know, you can combine with glycolic acid, but I wouldn't use a peel with glycolic acid and an exfoliating mask with glycolic acid because they those ingredients can be complementary, but really irritating if you overuse them. Okay, I learned so much today. I actually feel like I really want to go mask again. Jenny, I think I might do the Hanukkah again, actually. <laughs> I know. I do want to give it one more shot now that I know what to expect. And I feel like I'll process everything better this time. Maybe I'll go and buy one too, just for the sake of it. We'll have to have you on again and we'll talk more Hanukkah. And I'm definitely, I wrote down butt acne, butt masks down here <laughs> because I definitely think there's a story in this. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Kim. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dr. Kim. Bye. Take care. So before wrapping up today, we wanted to know from some of our editors here at Allure, what are your favorite go-to masks? Here's Diana's. One of my favorite face masks is Tatcha Violet C Radiance Mask. It's awesome for brightening because it's filled with vitamin C and 10% alpha hydroxy acids. So it really gives you that fresh, I just exfoliated kind of glow. Plus, it's purple, so it's really fun to apply. And cat's pick. I love the Ren Clean Skincare Evercom Ultra Comforting Rescue Mask because it's been there for me through my eczema flare-ups, I started the retinol last year and it got me through the retinol ugly period where you're like red and chapped and dry all the time. And whenever I have an allergic reaction, it's like the first product I reach for. And here's Sarah. My all-time favorite face mask isn't actually a face mask. It's a peel. It's the Rene Rouleau Triple Berry Smoothing Peel and it's honestly magic in a jar. You slather all over your face and it's made with alpha hydroxy acids and berries to chemically exfoliate and just overall brighten your skin. I love wearing it to scare my husband and my cat, but I also enjoy the glowy benefits. Well, based on my family's reactions, I think Sarah should also try the Hanacure mask. It has got a great fear factor. So Michelle, what is your favorite mask? All right, I have so many. <laughs> I think because there's so many different types of masks. I really love for an exfoliating mask, I love the Peach and Lily resurfacing one. That one's got a whole mix of different acids. It's great, makes your skin feel super soft afterwards. Also for exfoliating, I love the Joanna Vargas exfoliating mask. For a hydrating one, I'm a big fan of the I Do Care Cake My Day. It smells like cake and it looks like it has sprinkles in it and it's super fun. Plus, I feel like it's it's very hydrating. For an eye mask, I'm a big fan of the Wander Baggage Claim Gold and also the Rose Gold eye masks. For a charcoal slash mud mask, Origins makes a really good one that I've been using for a couple of years now. And for a sheet mask, it's a little bit of a splurge, but I really love the Estee Lauder Power Foil which also kind of has a little bit of a fear factor, I guess. Like it just looks cool. It looks sort of like you're the tin man, but it just, it's super juicy and just makes your skin look and feel awesome. Jenny, what's your favorite? I know I'm kind of with you. It's hard to pick one favorite. 
but a few that I've been using recently. One is it's called a peel, but I consider it a mask. It's a fine line. It's the Alpen Beauty Wild Huckleberry Polishing Peel. So it's kind of a paste and you leave it on for a few minutes. And then if you want some extra exfoliating, you can kind of rub it in gentle circles as you rinse it off and your skin is just incredibly smooth and glowy afterwards. Also that name, Wild Huckleberry. I know. It's very appealing. It has huckleberries in it. It's from, the brand is based in Wyoming, actually. So it has a lot of like exfoliating and natural plant extracts and flower extracts. I really like, so I'm not a big like DIY mask person, but there's a brand called Gold, and I hope I'm pronouncing it right. It's G-O-L-D-E. And they have something called their Papaya Bright Face Mask. It's like a powder, which has vitamin C and papaya enzymes. And you add a little water. You could even add like a little bit of your favorite face oil. And you turn it into this creamy gel that you apply, leave on, and rinse off. And it's fun to do. It smells like a tropical vacation. Mm. That's, a, that's about as DIY as I get. And then I do sometimes enjoy a under eye mask. Jillian Dempsey is a makeup artist and longtime FOA, friend of Allure. She does these hydrating eye masks. They're made out of uh, biocellulose, which I know Dr. Kim was saying he really likes. And I just leave those on sometimes in the morning. If I'm looking a little rough, 15 minutes of those under my eyes really helps brighten things up. And as for full face sheet masks, I do love AHC Aqua Essential Calming Mask, which is great for hydrating. It has Centella Asiatica, which is a really wonderful soothing ingredient that Dr. Chang actually mentioned in our last episode. So if my skin is a little finicky after testing new products, I'll use that mask to calm it down. Nice. Any favorite butt masks? (laughs) (laughs) No, but ever since our conversation with David a few days ago, I have been thinking about butt masks more than I would like to admit. I have too. (laughs) Actually, we were in the car just earlier today and my husband, I had food on my face as I often do. Anyway, my husband was like, what's that? My 10-year-old in the backseat goes, maybe it's buttony. (laughs) And then I realized that I've been talking a lot about buttony and butt masks (laughs) and stuff over dinner. Um, I've never actually used a butt mask, Same here. I'm kind of thinking maybe I'll try, though, just for (laughs) for fun. That maybe we should. But I did do a little Googling after we talked to Dr. Kim and could not find any salicylic acid butt sheet masks. Hmm. So I think maybe that is our our big idea. Nice. So there are clearly plenty of masks to keep you busy out there. And for those of you working from home, it's a fun way to spice up those Zoom meetings. Or terrorize your family. You look terrifying. If you've tried an equally scary mask and have the photos to prove it, tag us on Instagram so you can join in on the fun. See you next time. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate and leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. It helps new listeners find the show. You can find additional information and episode references in the show notes. Follow Allure on Instagram at Allure. I'm at Hey Michelle Lee. And I'm at J-B-A-I-E, J-B-A-I-L-L-Y. On our audio team, our executive producer is Ginny Saraswati. Our associate producer is Aaron Skahan. And our audio editor is Ashley Tuff, with production support from Ginny Media. On the Allure team, the editorial leads are Soini Driscoll and Diana Mazzone. Lead researcher is Westry Green, and project manager is Monica Perry. The theme music is by Asha Ivanovich. Special thanks to our listeners who sent in questions. And while this is the last of our three-part K-Beauty miniseries, we'll be back in the spring with even more episodes of The Science of Beauty. See you then.